This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I have a good episode for you guys today. We're going to talk about stop-loss adjustments. When in your trades do you start moving up to stop-losses? Do you keep it at the original stop-loss the whole time, and either you reach your target or you don't? Or is there something different that I do in order to manage the risk that like I talk about in almost every episode? But when it pertains to stop-losses, how do I make sure that I don't let winning trades turn to losing trades? and maximize the potential profit on every trade. We're going to talk about all of that and more. And for this episode, I have an email from a guy who wants to be called Bobby Boucher, which if I remember correctly, that was from like the Waterboys movie, right? With Adam Sandler? I might have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's from. Any case, Bobby Boucher writes, Ryan, been a regular listener for a short while now and love the content. I have been looking for a swing trading podcast that dives briefly into all these little questions that keep popping into my head over the last two years as I began learning to trade. I have failed and learned in many areas over that time, but my most recent and frequent issue is knowing when and how to adjust my stop losses as my winners run. I'm now comfortable respecting my stop losses to the downside and will trip me out when I'm wrong, but still have trouble tightening my stops to the upside as my positions move higher. Do you accept the initial R&R, meaning risk and reward, and not adjust the stop and know that you'll either hit your price target or take your planned loss. Do you adjust the stop to your break-even price when you think the price won't break back down below your break-even price? Do you let the price establish a new higher low and adjust the stop to just below that? Do you move it to just below each new support and resistance level that's broken? Maybe these are all strategies. Right now, I find myself too afraid to let my gains retrace at all and will keep my stop losses too close, adjust them serially and or panic sell at a small gain just to see the stock continue up for days. I've also seen my price targets missed by a couple of pennies and have positions retraced back to nothing. Looking for any advice as to what you might do in the same situation. All aboard the gain train. I like that. The gain train. Bobby Boucher. Good, good question. You can see there's a little bit of desperation in the question, so I look forward to answering this question with some of my own experiences. First, what am I drinking? I have got 1792 small batch. And believe it or not, I actually thought I've already reviewed this one, but apparently I haven't because I went back through my logs and nope, never have. So 1792 small batch. 
And by the way, you know why it's called 1792? Because it was the year that Kentucky joined the United States. A little background for you there. Actually, I just read it off the back of the bottle. This stuff is pretty strong, though. It's 46.85% alcohol and 93.7 proof. Now, to the nose, I'm picking up some like vanilla smells. I like that vanilla. It's a good smell. But now to the taste, it's a little bit smoky, pretty robust. And then it comes in hot at that finish. But it's not like a gag you, this is too much kind of a hot. It's a classy kind of hot. It's like, hey, hot, but it's not going to like cause me to make a scene in front of others kind of hot. And after a few sips, it starts to numb the tongue a little bit. It's kind of interesting. Now, I don't think this is like in the same category as Old Forester or Buffalo Trace, but I do think it's up there with Elijah Craig or some Jeffersons. I'm going to give it a 7.3. I think it's a quality one. I think it's an everyday sipper. Price point is not too bad. I think it was like 30 something dollars if I remember right. But the funny thing is, and I, I've noticed this on almost every bottle that I read, they always want to tell you how it's bold yet smooth. I mean, almost every bottle will tell you how smooth it is. And for once, I just wish a whiskey bottle would get a little bit creative. Like, man, this will kick you where the sun don't shine, but it'll leave you with nothing but wanting to come back for more. I mean, something like that, like something to really grab your attention, not all of this like, oh, it's bold yet smooth and whatever, you know. But anyway, 7.3 for 1792 small batch. Now, back to Bobby Boucher and his question here. Because there is a lot to talk about. He's got huge problems with the stop losses, not so much obeying their original trading plan, but I think a lot of it goes back to his treatment of his price targets. Now, for me personally, when it comes to price targets, I don't care about them. I really don't. The only time that price targets are really relevant to me is when I'm setting up the trade. So when I'm setting up the trade, I'm placing a stop loss at a certain price point. I'm wanting to get in at another price point. And let's say I'm wanting to get in at $100 and I'm wanting to set a stop loss at $95. But then I need to see, is there a clear path or target area that this stock could go to without running into heavy resistance or any strong obstacles? like a declining trend line that it's bounced off of or been rejected at like five or six times in a row. Or maybe there's some resistance overhead at 105 that has sent price spiraling downward five out of the last seven times. Then that's something that I want to take serious, right? So I'm looking for a place that I can put a price target at that would make sense to how high can the stock really go without running into some serious resistance. And that's where I come up with my price target. Do I follow that price target after I get into the trade? No, because I want to let my winners run. I want to stay in that trade no matter what. So let's say on this particular trade, I want to get in at 100. I have a stop loss at 95 and I see a price target of 110. So I have a two to one reward to risk ratio. Now the first day it gets upgraded, it goes off on a big run and it hits 110. Am I selling out right there? No, I might take some partial profits because I'm taking partial profits on about a two to one reward risk ratio that can be had. So maybe I'm selling like a third of a position. And in doing so, by taking partial profits, I'm actually increasing the stop loss in an indirect way. Because think about it, when you're raising your stop loss, what are you doing? You're managing the risk in such a way that you're decreasing the amount of risk remaining on the trade. When you're taking partial profits, you're doing the same thing. You're reducing the amount of risk that's remaining on the trade. Instead of having a full position, you're trading with two thirds of a position or three quarters of a position, depending on what you take out of the trade. But the more you take partial profits, the more you're reducing the risk. Yes, you're limiting the reward to the upside, but the very reason why you're reducing the position size is to also free up the emotions. Because so often, if we're just going all in and all out, 
And it's okay to go all in, but I do think that there's a lot of problems that you run into when you're going all out because you'll get three or 4% up on a trade and that money starts to mean something to you. And it's like, either I get it all now or I risk not getting any of it. And so for me, I like to go ahead and take partial profits along the way because that emotion and that feeling is going to be far less cumbersome to me as a trader. I'm not going to be thinking like that if I'm down to one third of a position or a quarter of a position. I then have the liberty because maybe I took some profits along the way at 5% and 10% and now I'm down to a third of a position and I can say, I can let this one run wild. I can maybe even have a stop loss that's like 7 or 8% because one, my risk exposure is not that great. So I don't have to have a very tight stop loss. And typically, the longer that I'm in a trade, the wider the stop loss is going to get because I want to let that winner run as much as possible. The very fact that I'm down to one third of a position means that the trade has been really successful. And so I want that last third of a position to run wild. But now if I have a full position, it's a lot harder because you're dealing with a lot more volatility in that trade and you don't have any profits to speak of yet on that trade. But let's say I get into a trade at 100. Let's say it goes up to 105. I take partial profits with one third of my position. Then it goes up to 110 and I take another one third off. So now I'm down to one third of a position at 110. It goes up maybe to 112, and then it comes all the way back down to 100. Let's say it even goes down to 98, and I go ahead and get out. That's where I had my stop loss moved up to. And again, I'm talking about hypotheticals here, not about any particular stock. Well, the trade was still profitable because of what I did on the first third and the second third. And yes, it came back down, and I didn't make as much as I had hoped for, but I still walk away a winner despite the fact that the final third went from green to red. Now, that's not ideal for me to want to manage a trade in that manner, but I'm just trying to show you an extreme example where the stock, you were well in the green and you go right back down to the red, but you still came away with the strong profit on the stock because you took profits along the way with the first two thirds of your trade. But now if you're going at it with a full position, you're not taking any profits at all, then you're walking away with a 2% loss when you could have had a 12% gain at one point. Because in the end, I want to give that final third or final quarter of a position as much room to run with as possible. Sometimes it may just be a half a position. Maybe I take half off after you know a 5 or a 6% run, and then I'm ready to see what the other half will do. But nonetheless, whether it's a third or a half or a quarter or something else in between, it still takes risk off the table. It still acts as if I'm raising my stop loss to reduce risk. So in the end... Target prices are great for determining whether a trade is worthwhile, but once you're in the trade, they can be a real handicap if you just blindly say, okay, hit my target price, I'm out. That's what we do with stop losses when the stock goes against us. But for me as a swing trader, I don't want to do that to the upside because I want to give it as much room to run as possible because I am always amazed at how often my target prices weren't good enough. And that doesn't mean that's happening every trade that I take, but there's often times where I'll get in a trade at 100, set the target at 115 with a stop loss at 95, and it blows right through 115. If I had blindly just gotten out of it just because it had simply reached my target, I would have missed that move that went from 115 to 130 or to 140, all because I felt like I had some obligation to honor that target price. When the market does not care about your target price, it's not going to be like, oh, hit the target price. Let's get out. Because sometimes when it starts to reach that target price, there's already a lot of momentum behind it. And it's not just going to stomp on a dime. It's going to keep rallying. So that's my thoughts on price targets. Now, something that you guys should definitely get into is swingtradingthestockmarket.com. This is going to be where you get all my stock market research each and every day. And 
by becoming part of swing trading the stock market.com. You're supporting this podcast. So check that out. Get all my stock market research each and every day. Swing trading the stock market.com. Another thing that I'm noticing with Bobby Boucher here and his trading is that there's a lot of fear in his trading. And so that means there's also some heavy emotions that he might not be doing a great job at managing. And that's because he's afraid of the stock going to red or the stock going against him. That's one of the reasons why I think he's taking gains at the price targets each and every time. And then he talks about how he's getting stopped out because he has the price targets too tight or he's getting out of the trade with just a small profit because he's going all in and all out. But what I would encourage anybody to do in that situation is be consistent with your approach to trading. And I again, I think that taking partial profits along the way helps with that because you're taking not just capital off the table, but you're taking emotions off the table because as that dollar amount that you're trading with gets less and less, it gives you the freedom to let that stock run a lot higher than you normally would if you were trading with a full position and you're booking profits along the way because ultimately I don't expect my trades to do exactly what I want it to do. There's always going to be curveballs. There's always going to be these caveats to the trade, things that I didn't expect for better and for worse. But taking profits along the way helps me negate the impact of the unexpected. I used to do a lot of what Bobby Boucher is talking about here, moving up those stop losses too aggressively. And I still can do that from time to time. So it's not something that it's like a beginner problem or something that nobody else has trouble with. I would say most traders have a problem with that. But I've also found too, the more reliant I am on taking partial profits along the way, the less often I have to move up the stop loss. Now, you might think to yourself, Ryan, you sound like you're contradicting yourself. You're not moving up your stop loss when you should be. No, I move it up when I should be, but I move it up to key support levels. Like I'm talking about, I want some good support that I'm moving up that stop loss to. And not just like, a, oh, it's the low of the day. I'm going to get out at that point. Maybe that's justified from time to time, but I'm not doing it out of fear of losing everything that I've made on the trade. But probably one of the hardest things for me to get past is that In the email, and I'm not busting Bobby Boucher's chops at all here, okay? But if I'm not honest and if I'm not real on these emails, it doesn't serve anybody here. It doesn't serve the listeners. It doesn't serve the person that wrote me the email. So I'm going to be honest to the fullest extent possible. But he's actually had price targets missed by a couple of cents and then come away with nothing on the trade. There's nothing more that could be disappointing for a trader than for that to happen. And that's why I don't like using those target prices. Look. If a stock goes from 100 and you're going to follow target prices, right? Let's say you're going to follow target prices, which I've already said I don't do that. But let's say just from a theoretical standpoint, you are. And you have your target price set at 115 and it goes up to 114 and 98 cents. Guys, at that point, I mean, okay, maybe you have a limit order at 115 to sell it all. It doesn't hit it and you start to see it retract. Just get out at 114.90. I mean, you're talking about 10 cents. It's not something that's going to throw off the whole reward to risk ratio. And the reason why I bring that up is because being that regimented when it comes to a target price is only hurting yourself. And then you couple that with the fact that really target prices, that's kind of just something that analysts like to do to stroke their ego. What we want to use target prices for is for determining reward to risk and whether or not a trade setup is valid or not, whether or not it's in your best interest to get into the trade. Once you've determined that, let's see how high the stock can go. Let's take some partial profits along the way because we don't want the emotions to get out of hand. We don't want to just be bailing out because it was a 3% profit. We want to maybe take some profit along the way. Maybe it is at 3% where we take a third or a quarter off the table, and then we take another third off at 6 or 7%, and then we let the rest ride. 
let's try to get to that point so that we have that freedom to where the emotions are not strong in that final third of a position. But if that stock goes up, say, 60 or 70%, that's going to be an amazing trade. And had you stayed completely in and not taken any partial profits along the way, you would have never realized that and maybe only come away with like a 2% profit on it. So the takeaway and all of this, one, target prices, they're best used for setting up the trade. Two, partial profits really do help reduce risk and also is another form of managing the risk and increasing your stop loss because when you're taking profits off the table, you're securing those profits, you're securing that capital from any further downside. And so that's almost like tightening your stop loss because even if you don't move your stop loss at all in that position, the remaining position goes back down and triggers it, you're not taking as big of a loss. Finally, be consistent with your approach to trading. The more systematic you are about taking profits along the way and getting some of the motions off the table by taking some partial profits, the better off you're going to be. And letting your winners run as long as possible by getting down to that like final third or final quarter of a position, for some people it may just be a half a position, the better off you'll likely be. And make sure that you leave me a positive review, whether it's on Spotify, Amazon, Apple. Make sure to leave me a positive review. That does help the podcast out quite a bit. And keep sending me your questions, Ryan at SharePointer.com. Plus, check out SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. I'm telling you, it's an unbelievable opportunity to get all of my stock market research each and every day. Check that out, SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.